Today's episode of the Pool Pro Podcast, returning pool service business expert Fred Ross talks all about managing cash flow. He shares three cash flow statements for service companies that you don't want to miss. Listen up now to learn more about the accounting side of your business. The podcast starts now. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Kavanaugh with co-host Dave Rockwell here. Hey Dave, nice to see you this morning. Good to see you too. We're going to talk numbers this morning, so don't be scared off that we're going to talk numbers because a lot of us don't look at our numbers for our business as often as we should, and we're going to specifically focus on cash flow on this particular episode of the Pool Pro Podcast. My guest, or our guest today, I should say, is someone that we've had on the podcast before. He is a business owner who, just to remind you of the previous episodes we've done, he's a business owner who had a pool business. He started just by himself with one employee himself. He successfully grew that business in the commercial and residential side of service and then sold that business for a a lofty sum. We don't know how much. He won't tell us that information, but a lofty sum to help with his retirement. But we're so happy to have you back, Fred. Fred Ross, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here and helping. Yes. Can't you want to go ahead, Fred? Over my shoulder there. Oh, yeah. My curiosity. Those were our chlorine delivery trucks. Oh, nice. See how big they are? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's, what you call, that's what you call moving a lot of chlorine. Huh? Moving a lot of chlorine. So, so, so really the goal, Fred, is talking about cash flow. And can and I think for those of us, you know, for those people that are really in the service business and other businesses in the pool industry, they probably have a lot of cash coming in right now because I think service guys and builders are really, really busy. So mm-hmm. can you just talk about the fact that if you've got a lot of cash coming in, how to manage that. You've got some great examples here. And for those of you who are listening to the audio only version of this podcast, I highly recommend that you go to the YouTube version. You can search for Pool Pro Podcast on YouTube because he's actually sharing some slides and some reports or some, um, yeah, reports from QuickBooks that you're mm-hmm. going to want to see as he's talking. So please do that. So, Fred, talk us through cash flow and why this is important. Sure. Well, just at a summary level, you know, I talked about a little bit about this on the first podcast is that as you grow your business, it takes more cash. And you think, well, why do I got to take more cash? Well, you're investing in employees, you're investing in inventory, you're investing in accounts receivable, you're investing in accounts payable. You've got all these things demanding cash. So it isn't just your checkbook balance. And in the accounting world, they call that accrual versus cash accounting. A lot, of, a lot of small businesses just operate on cash accounting, which is basically checkbook accounting, okay? Yeah. Cash in, cash out. You don't record the sale until you get the money for it. That's different. You don't record the purchase of things until you pay for it. So if you go to SCP and you buy things on account, you wouldn't record that in a cash accounting until you wrote them the check. In accrual accounting, you record it when you leave the counter and you have that receipt, you give it to your bookkeeper and they record that purchase even though you haven't paid them yet. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the two kinds of accounting. As you get bigger, you're gonna have to be on accrual. It's the only way, uh, it's just how any, 
all organizations, all companies that get bigger than two or three people are going to end up on accrual accounting. Okay. Right. That's the method that all Fortune 500 and any, every big business, everybody else is on what they call accrual accounting. Okay. So the reason you got to do this is how can you, this is your, this is your roadmap. If you got your car and just started wandering off, you might just wander around. That's great. That's a lot of fun, but you're never going to get from point A to point B. If you had a destination in mind, you have to plan a route to get from point A to point B. And you have to keep track of your expenses if you're going along. He says, well, I need, I can only spend so much money to get from A to B. Well, how are you going to know how much you've already spent unless you're keeping track? Okay. So that's really what this is all about. So uh, don't get overwhelmed by this, but this is, this is, this is, I'm going to run through a couple of examples real quick. I'm going to spend a little more time on the first one here, and then I'm going to go through the last couple fast. Okay. okay. I'll get my concepts down. So this will just, this example is you've got a, one guy, one polar, okay? A guy in a truck and one pole. And he's billing about seven grand a month. Maybe he's got about 60 accounts, billing about 100, 125 a month per account. He does his regular filter cleans, a small repair. So he's coming in about 10 grand a month coming in, okay? Got it. Well, he doesn't really buy any inventory. He goes to SCP and he buys just what he needs for a few days. Maybe he keeps a little tiny supply at the side of his house or somewhere, but it, it all goes, it all turns over every month. Okay. So Which I think a lot of people do. Yeah. It's a lot of people do. So then he would have a gross profit, for example, in month one, he would have a gross profit of $9,200. And we're assuming he has, it's the same for three month period here. So over the course of three months, he has a gross profit of $27,600. Okay. Yep. Oh. And this is an income statement that you can pull from QuickBooks if you're using it. Is that well, correct? QuickBooks, you can do this in Excel. Yep. You can yep. do it quick in. There's lots of ways you can create an income statement. Okay. So you don't even have to do I just did this in Excel. You didn't even right. have to have QuickBooks. Okay. So <clears throat> if you had, if you were writing a storage unit, for example, maybe you've got some stuff. You just got whatever. Everybody always has extra things that they seem to have. Don't have enough room for in their garage and you've got your cell phone, maybe you pay someone, maybe it's your wife, girlfriend, bookkeeper, I don't know, but you pay someone to do your books. You've got, and that's about 500 a month. Let's say you've got your dues for IPSA and your liability insurance, that's a couple hundred dollars a month. You have some various routine supplies you go through every month. This may be poles, nets, test kits, what, you know, whatever. Let's call it $300 a month. You're spending a couple hundred dollars a month on marketing. Maybe you're doing flyers or Instagram or Facebook ads, whatever. Uh, let's say you don't have insurance any other way. So you're buying some insurance on the health exchange for 500 a month. Right. Got some other miscellaneous expenses. You've got your truck insurance, a couple hundred, your gas, truck gas, let's say four, 400 or so a month. Your truck loan, because you got that shiny new F-150. You didn't get that super cheap Ranger, like I told you. You went <laughs> and got that fancy F-150, and that's $600 a month. Maybe you really went crazy and got the Raptor, and it's a grand a month. So maybe you have some other lines or credit cards, and uh, that's $100. So let's say all total, in this example, you had $3,625 in total expenses. Okay. okay. Remember, you had $9,200 in gross income after what you paid SCP. So your net operating income was 
$5,575. That's what it shows on paper that you made. Okay. Got it. We said the same for all three. So that's $16,625 for three months. So let's go to a cash flow statement then. This is probably the single most important statement that every business needs to run, look at, <clears throat> but that 99.9% of businesses never don't even know, don't even know it exists and never look at it. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because what this does is this takes on whatever period you want to analyze, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, two years, three years, five years, you can run cash flow statements for any one of a number of periods. What it will tell you is it'll tell you this. So in this three month example, I just gave you. You net first line, you made 16,625, right? That's where we got that number. Yep. You had an increase in accounts payable of $15,000. Now, what is that? Well, <clears throat> you had, oh, excuse me. In this example, we had a decrease in accounts payable. You had a bunch of customers that had not paid. You got on the phone and you got them all caught up. And uh, now, that's 15,000 extra in cash that came in that was on your books as accounts receivable. This okay. is people that were overdue. Maybe you build them as net 30 and they finally paid 45 days. Okay, you follow me on that? Yep. You took some of that money and you've been, you've been dragging your feet on paying off uh, SCP or your favorite wholesaler. I just pick on SCP because they're the biggest, but your favorite wholesaler. And uh, so you took seven grand of that and you paid them off. So your net cash for this period increased by $24,625. Even though your net profit said 16, you actually got more cash than that. You're like, woo -hoo. <laughs> Okay. So you're like, hmm, what else did I do with that? Well, but I had a bunch of credit cards that I also floated some, some, some bills on. So I paid those off. That was 12 grand. I paid myself $4,000 a month. That was 12 grand, okay? I had a line of credit that I was also using and I paid that off. That was $4,600. So I spent $23,600. This is not accounted for in the income statement. This is what did you do with the cash that came in and out of your company? This is completely different than an income statement, that's yeah. what people get thrown, right? So then if you had $500 left in that checking account at the beginning of before the three months, at the end of the period, you only increased your checking account by about $1,000. So now you've only got $1,500 in your checking account. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I made 16 grand. No, you didn't. You left, you left $1,000 in your business. So your business now basically has an equity of about $1,500. Does this make sense? Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's take another example. It's a little bit bigger guy. He's got twice as much, twice as many accounts. And, uh, oh, wow. This, this must be spring 2021 after the great Texas freeze. <laughs> so- right. He had a banner month in the second month. He tripled his normal amount of repairs that he did. 
So he's billing about 14 grand a month for service. He did 20 grand a month in new equipment or pump replacements or whatever, right? He just had a banner month. So he had 34,000 in sales that month. He thinks he's just really rolling in money. So if he normally had about 20, 21,000, we take the roof spike month. And then we have another, it kind of comes back down a little bit in the third month. Let's say he had sales for three months of $77,000. He's right. probably thinking, man, I need to go get in a new truck. Look at all the money I'm making. So <clears throat> again, we go through and subtract the purchases. Well, you had your normal amount of purchases. Let's say you're, you're about 50% of your repairs. Uh, you have a 50% profit on that. So you spend about half that money at your wholesaler on buying the stuff, buying the pumps and stuff that you put in and sold. So your purchases in that second month were 10 grand. Hmm. I don't know if you got that big a line of credit at your wholesaler, kind of doubt it. And then it kind of went back down to about 14. So if you spent $17,500 on buying things to, to generate that 77,000, you paid a guy because now you got probably 120 accounts or so. You paid a guy, he's your steady Eddie, you paid him 3,200 a month. Doesn't matter how you paid him, per stop, whatever, pay per hour, however you paid him, this is how much you paid him, okay? Got it. And you paid him, now, but you paid him as an employee, so you've got your FICA and your Social Security and your employer share of the taxes that you had to pay. Let's say that was about $480, about 500 bucks a month. And so your total, what we call cost of goods sold, was 6700 in the first month, 13200 in the second month, and 7200 in the third month. So your total for all three months is $27,000. This gives you a gross profit of the three months for 49,900. Now remember your gross sales were 77,000. Wow, we're already down to 49,900. Cause that's what it costs you to get those sales. Then we go down through the same things. I'll go through these quick because they're pretty much the same as last month. We have rent, internet. Hey, Fred, can, I, can I interrupt you for a sec? Go ahead. Okay, so when, when you're looking at the, the cost of goods sold, you what are what's the difference between purchases and the and the actual oh the the cost of goods sold is the total of all three lines is that what i'm looking at yes so the cost of goods sold so each month you'll record all your purchases at your wholesaler right okay you go there and you so buy the, so the the pool tech uh the purchases and and the and the pool tech spike of social security all counts as cost of goods sold correct okay Cost of yeah. goods sold. Actually, the technical term is cost of services sold. So the cost of goods sold would be the products and chemicals and things that you buy and resell to your customers. The cost of services sold would be the cost of your employees and any related expenses. Okay. And some accounts will put that above the line. Some accounts will put the truck and then the vehicle related vehicle expenses can go above or above or below the a general expenses line. Sometimes you can put the truck and all those things up there and cost of services sold. Makes it a little more complicated. So just to keep it simple, I left it down in the expenses side of the equation. Okay. Right. So you have all those. So you'll notice that the only thing that really went up was health insurance. You're helping your guy with health insurance. Your truck insurance doubled because you got two trucks now. Your gas doubled because you got two trucks. Your truck loan doubled because you bought him a truck. And so now your net expenses are almost 5,000 a month. Okay. 
That's just, that's your overhead or what you might call your monthly nut. So no matter what you do. You said it's 35,000, right? Am I saying it well, wrong? You said 5,000. <clears throat> excuse me, yes. Uh, $4,925 per month. So oh, I see. I got you. Okay, yep. I'm following you. $4,875. That $4,925 is now your monthly minimum overhead. Right. Monthly minimum. <clears throat> okay. So your net operating income now is about... 9,000 a month, $9,375 in month one. In month two, you netted 15,876. In month three, you netted 97.75. So for, for the three month period, you netted $35,025. Remember you sold 77,000, but you netted 35,000. Now this is your right. income statement. <clears throat> and then if you really wanted to get technical, there's some other things we can throw in there, like if you sold off an old truck or something. But for this pur pur purposes to keep this simple, we, we just kept that simple. Maybe you sold an old cart to a buddy and got an extra 200 bucks. Well, that would be the gain or loss of the sale of an asset. But right. It's kind of some advanced accounting things. But basically, your net income is about the same. So about $35,000. Okay? okay. So. Let's go over to our cash flow statement then. So our net income from our profit and loss statement or income statement, some people call it both, is the 35,225 we just got from the other income statement. Okay. So when you have <clears throat> an increase or decrease in your accounts receivable. So what this is means your accounts receivable increased because you had a banner month. You're putting in a bunch of pools. You're doing a lot of repairs. You had a lot of sales. You sold a lot of salt systems, whatever it is. And you build those customers, okay? So when you build customers, the time between when you build them and the time between they pay you, you are loaning them the money. That is a use of cash. This is where people get all sideways. Because then, then we're going to double down on this in a minute. <laughs> so uh, you have, so of the 35,000, you loan 30,000 to your customers because they haven't paid you yet. Right. Okay. You, <clears throat> but SCP made you pay off your balance because, you know, this, that, that, ten, that big spike you had, that's not normal. You don't have that big a line of credit. So you had to take some of that and pay them off. So the bottom line is you spent $4,375 more than you made. So this is why today's point, wow, I had this record quarter and I go to my checkbook and I don't have any money. Right. Why? This is why you don't have any money in your checkbook. Even though you're counting your bookkeeper or somebody says you're, you're really rocking it. You just make your sales are great. <clears throat> this is why. <clears throat> now, in this case, you thought you were killing it. So you got an employee while wow, you're really rolling. So now you, you upped your pay. Now you're paying yourself six grand a month. <laughs> so at the end of this period, you're broke. You have a serious cash flow problem. You spent $24,000 more than you have. Right. So either you are 
you are not making your payments on time, you're not paying your wholesaler, you're not paying your employer, you're not paying somebody, or you have borrowed the money somewhere else, in which case we would add that back in as an increase on a line of credit or credit card. So that would be your source of cash. Yeah. Well, yeah, I really racked up my credit cards. All right, well, that would be on here then as a financing and use of cash. It would show up on your cash flow statement as, well, that's where the money came from because you can't have a negative cash at the end of the period. It's got to come from somewhere. Right. Does that make sense? All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and this, you know, Fred, this, this really brilliantly illustrates the rabbit hole that a lot of guys get yes. trapped in um, when they think, all I got to do, I got to get more work. I got to get more work. I got to get more work. They're out in the field seven days a week and they never stop like you said they're late getting their bills out for one thing they're they've got some i know some full guys that have anywhere from 25 to 30 percent of their route that pays late every month or or mm -hmm. you know at least out of the whole route there's that many people every month that that aren't caught up and so by not taking the time to pay attention to this side of the business they're just out there in the field running themselves ragged and they're they're not realizing it but they're not making any money right exactly well <clears throat> and then to your point david gets worse when you get into the commercial world because i'm assuming these are all sort of mostly residential guys yes he's in the commercial world it's all accounts receivable yeah and they never pay on time never you're lucky if you get your service uh, if you bill on the first of the month, you're really lucky if you have some checks that might start rolling on the 29th or the 30th at the end of the month, right? But that means you've got to cash flow everything for the entire month. You've right. got to pay all your employees and pay your suppliers and your rent and all those other expenses before the money comes in. Right. Oh, that's, oh, that's why commercial, this is, this is critical. And this is why a lot of guys get into commercial and they get right back out again because, oh, I don't pay. Well, they do pay. I mean, customers pay. <laughs> we wouldn't have done millions in sales uh, in the commercial business if they didn't pay, but they all pay slow. Yeah. And there's just nothing you can do. We would call them all the time. That's a whole other topic. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, we'll talk I'm about that topic on a future episode. That was problem. There's a lot of difference between residential commercial. Okay. So let's go now. We have an example number three. So this guy, about the same. I picked up some new accounts. It's about the same as guy number two here, right? He had a banner month, a month number two, and uh, his, he got about the same gross margins and he paid his pool tech the same. So he's got the same net sales of about 77,000. His gross profit is about the same at 49,900. His net operating income is pretty much the same at 35,000, or excuse me, 35,225, okay? Yep. It's the same numbers as the other guy. Now, what's different about this guy? Well, this guy got all of his customers to pay in cash. And he doesn't have a balance at SCP. So I wanted to illustrate this. This is the difference. So he got all that 35,225. Is it his checking? You say account. paid in cash. You mean they gave him the money right then and there, or they just paid right away? Pay right then and there. Maybe he had some audit. Maybe he's got some sophisticated tools and he's got one of those cool deals that you could oh, take credit cards on your iPhone while you're in the field. 
or they paid him immediately, they Venmoed him the money, whatever. At the end of the month, he didn't have any customers owing him any money. They're all caught up, okay? I mean, he didn't give them seven or 10 days to pay, but by the end of the month, he's got a zero accounts receivable. Everybody's paid up. Nobody's late. And he has no balance at SCP because he pays for stuff oh, as he buys it? That's right. He has no balance at SCP because okay. he paid that off too, okay? So he gets all of the 35000 Now, so, he, wow, he could have paid him. This is, this is our other point. This is Dave's other point. He could have paid himself all that 35000 Ah, but remember in my other podcast, I said, if you're taking every dollar you can out of the business, then you're not going to have any money set to invest to buy that next truck, to hire that next employee while you're ramping up and getting more customers, to make all those little stair-step investments that we talked about in the previous podcast. All those things take cash. And those are going to be uses of your cash to reinvest in your company. So you got two choices. You can borrow it or you can take it out of your company equity that you're building. So in this case, our guy, this is, this is super smart, smarter than me, fool guy, because I took it all out. I took it all out and then I have a lot of problems. But this guy's smart. He listened, he listened to Fred and, and he said, oh, I'm not going to take it all out. So he only paid himself four grand a month and he left the money in the in the business, okay? He left 18 grand in the business. So now he had six, let's say he had 6,400 left in the company from the prior three months. He had this banner three months. Now he's got almost $24,000 cash in the bank in his business. So when he looks at his checking again, he's like, ah, yeah, I got money in there. This is after he paid himself, okay? So this is the two huge differences in the two. <clears throat> if you're just spending every penny you got coming in on your income statement, you're not going to build any equity in your company. You're going to build any value in your company. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So this is critical. <clears throat> so that's my three. So my takeaways from this are, go ahead. Dave, did you have a question? No. No, Okay. So your cash flow strategies here are this. This is number one. Be aware of the cost of lending your customers money. People don't think about that. They don't think when I have a cash receivable, well, I set the bill out, or like Dave said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't send the bill out for three weeks. Well, that three weeks that you waited before you build the customer for the work that got done, that cost you. You loan them the money for three weeks. That ain't free. So you got to be aware of all of this time value of money and how many little, I call it holes in the bucket. <laughs> you got right. money going in the bucket, but you got all these little holes in there and all the money's spilling out. There's <laughs> yep. left in there. You try to grab where it all spills out the holes. But and, I, and I'll say, I'll say this too, Fred, a, a lot of guys do bill on the first of the month and uh, you know, it's due by the end of the month type right. of thing. Yes. Um, but then you get busy and sloppy and and uh, you don't get your bill out till the 5th or the 6th or the 10th. And when you've got customers that are trained to pay right on the spot when they on the first of the month, when they get that bill, all of a sudden it comes 10 days late. It's not on their radar anymore. It's not a, it's not at the top of their list. 
that's not the day they're writing checks. And so you you can have it's a great strategy, but if you if you don't stick to it, you can you can blow it. Exactly right. Plus, don't forget, even though you bill them on the first of the month, they're not paying you usually till the end of the month, right? Like you said, you got some good ones. Maybe they pay you the middle of the month or the 20th or middle of the month, checks start rolling in a little bit, right? You get a check every day or whatever from your customers that you build on the first. If you actually build them on the first, like it's like like Dave said, but I have customers that I send them the bill on the first and they use Zelle and the money's in my account that same day. That's perfect. Yeah. If I bill them late, then it's it's catch as catch can when you actually get the money. Right, because right. all that time then between the time you bill them and the time you start receiving the checks in from the customer, the, you know, the, the, the payments from the customers, you're financing your operation. And when you have employees and you're paying for their gas and you're paying their salaries, you're paying all those things before the money comes in. Yeah. Now, if you get rolling, what you're really doing is you're using last month's money yeah. to pay this month's expenses, right? Okay. Last month's money and this month's expenses. Okay. That sounds easy, Fred. But wait a minute. Last month was, 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 was yeah, we didn't, we didn't do too much. That was January. That was February. That was a low month. Oh, and this month is gangbusters. So you don't have the money from last month's operation to pay this month's expenses. This is, again, what I'm talking about, the cost of growth. I don't care if it's just seasonal growth, intentional growth, uh, whatever. It's growth. Your sales are increasing. That's called growing your business and growing your sales, right? So this is why it's really critical. <laughs> and I, I like to get a poll on this one because <clears throat> I think in America, most people don't even have a household budget, uh, let alone a five-year detailed business financial plan. Right. And when I'm talking about a five-year financial plan, I'm talking about five years of those statements that you just saw. I want to see boiled down to the month. What do you think every one of those line items on your income statement is going to be five years from now? What is your cash flow statement going to look like five years from now? Because we start adding a lot more zeros on there, things get to happen real fast. What if that was two million in sales in a quarter? Okay. What if that was twenty million in sales in a quarter? So you could see uh, those numbers get big real fast. Uh, yeah. That the, the faster you get at a problem. <laughs> so. Let me ask you something, Fred, because there's something going on right now when you talk about projecting out that far. Um, this year's been a disaster when it comes to the expenses of things going up. PVC pipe, uh, one of my suppliers went up 40% in one jump, and they wouldn't even quote prices out more than a few days um, on, on orders of pipe. Um all construction materials are going through the roof. Um, manufacturers are raising their prices. Chlorine's going up, uh, the, the, the dry chlorine shortage. Um, so how, what would be your strategy for uh, reacting to that and not just keeping everything the same and having to absorb all these costs? Yeah, because you can't absorb all those. Uh, your margins aren't that great. Yeah, I don't care. People think of great margins, but they're, they're going to evaporate real fast uh, with those kind of price increases. And I know exactly what you're saying, Dave, because you might have bid 
You know, I told Mrs. Jones last December, hey, you're going to need a new heater and pump in the spring. And spring comes around and she wants it at the same price you quoted her in December, right? right. Well, that's what you told me. Well, even though it's 30% more now or the PVC's gone up, everything's gone up. So uh, it's been a long time since we were in this kind of a, a price dynamic environment. And last time around, we had to start putting in there, putting in our quotes. If these quotes are only good for like. Yes, I was going to say that exact thing. Make sure your quote's really good for 30 days or 45 oh, days or something. When it's going up this fast, you might have to make your quote good for a week. This quote's good, know, right? this quote's good for three. I'm serious. I yes. mean, you will get burned. Stuff's going up that fast. Yeah. It's harder when you're really small. When you get a little bit bigger, you, we could actually sit down and have meetings with the manufacturers. And we'd sit down with the Pentair and the Hayward guys and the Raypack guys, and we'd say, hey, what do you think your, uh, what's your pricing going to be right for the, for the next year, the next two years? And they have a corp, pretty good corporate idea. They see down their pipeline and they could say, oh, you better get ready for some big price increases. Or they'd say, oh, we're going to be able to hold pretty steady. And we'd get the same thing from our uh, chemical suppliers. Well, it looks pretty stable or, oh boy, you better plan on a 10% bump, right? Yeah. Uh, so when you're smaller, it's tough. Uh, and and the, your SCP branch manager is probably not going to have much of an idea of this. It's really hard to see down the road on uh, what might be spiking. There's no idea that PVC is going to go up 40% or, or you know, right. whatever you need. And that just kills you. So. Well, that segues nicely into number three, though, Fred. So, so what you can do is you can structure your bids a couple of ways. <clears throat> you can put in some contingencies. This is a little harder to sell to your customer. Well, what's this funny line item down here on your bid, Fred, about contingencies <laughs> or, or, you know, slush fund, <laughs> unknown, unknown contingency? So, uh, you know, some builders are usually able to get away with that a little bit more than, than a service guy on a job because these guys are already getting beat up by, by people shopping on the internet. And they're like, what do you mean? You know, you want $500 for that. I saw it on Amazon for two fifty. dollars So, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're already getting beat up on that. So, that's, this is really hard. Uh, so, all you can do on there maybe is say, well, uh, on your bids, the only thing you could do is, is say, uh, if, if you're, this is, this is, this is tricky. And some guys will just, just will disagree with me on this one. You can kind of, you can flat bid them. But again, you might come in really high. If you allow put too much contingencies on there and you don't show on your quote, all your costs roll up. You just say, oh, Mrs. Jones, new pump installed, two grand. You don't break it down. Well, the pump is this much and my PVC is this much and you don't break down all your parts of labor. You just quote her a flat fee, flat sum. Uh, some guys would say, yeah, well, I'm going to lose all my sales. I'm, nobody's going to buy, buy it that way. It's a little bit tougher sale that way. Uh, if you, but when you break down your quotes like that, though, now you're opening yourself up to price shopping on a line-by-line -line basis. Right charge for labor the guy down the street said he'd do it for a hundred dollars an hour you have 125 oh i could get this item on amazon and then you get those customers who just want to nickel and dime you to death because they think you're nickel and diming them to death <laughs> right 
That's why having an established relationship with your customers is so good. You know, have really good relationship with them. You've done, you've been with them for a while and you've done good things for them or help them out in other ways, you know, and so then they hopefully they'll stick with you. Exactly. So the only thing really you can do is hope that you've got that customer relationship that Michelle just talked about and then put in your quotes that this is subject to price changes beyond my control or something to that effect. I like that line. Yeah, that's a good one. When it gets time for the customer to pull the trigger on your estimate that you gave them, you can tell them, I hate to tell you this, Mrs. Jones, but between the time we talked and now the price of PVC went up and I got to add another 30, 40 bucks, or I got to add another hundred dollars to this item or whatever. And if your relationship with them really good, they'll say, fine, you've been honest with me. I believe you. You're not making this up. Okay, go ahead. Right. Right. Uh, if you're not, if you know that kind of relationship, they're going to shop you. I don't believe you, Jimmy. I'm going out here and getting three more quotes. Okay. So, and then guys get mad about that, that their customers are running around getting quotes on them. Well, you can't blame the customer for wanting to make sure they're getting their money's worth. Right. Right. And I think they think this makes so much sense too, Fred, when you talk about, you know, the supply side issues. We've been talking about the supply side issues, especially on the, you know, chlorine side for months. So if yep. you're not planning in your, like you're talking about your, your budget, but also anticipating, which is your number three point, you're going to be in trouble if you're doing some of the things that you already described in these statements. If you have no money or no cash at the end of the three months or whatever period you're talking about, this is going to be rough on you if you're still billing your customers the same exact way, but all of your prices are going up. So the number two and three are so important on your strategies here to make sure you can, you know, sustain yourself. Oh, it's absolutely critical because if you're not anticipating these things and you're just reacting, you're, 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 you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And, 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 and what we, what I saw happening a lot was it was, it was almost like I could see it coming like a train coming down the tracks. I, I see, see this happening and guys talking about it at IPSA meetings or whatever, but they didn't, it's like they didn't do the books or run an income saving or anything until October. They just went like, like their hair was on fire all summer. And then all of a sudden at the October meeting, oh man, I just got my statements from my accountant. Well, weren't you looking at them all the time? Oh, I was too busy, man. I didn't have time to look at all that stuff. I'm too busy just doing, doing, doing. So they, they, they get some time to catch up and they sit down and look at it and it was like panic. <laughs> right, yeah, I hear you. Like, like Dave was like, I work seven, I'm working 12 hours a day, seven days a week and I didn't make any money. What the heck is going on here? You right, know? exactly. Uh, that's because they were not doing this as they go along. They've got this to, is so important, Fred. I love this. So important. They've got to can do we this. Go, can we move on to number four with your growth? Because yeah. I think this is also really important. I don't, I don't think people think about capital and um, planning that as well. Correct. So as we talked about in the first podcast, growth is going to require cash, whether it's selling more stuff, buying more inventory, uh, I hear, I see guys on the internet saying, oh, I'm going to buy three pallets of tabs because the prices are going up so fast. I'm going to buy all I can and hoard it up. I'm going to buy a whole summer supply of tabs so I can control my cost. Well, you know what? That's, that's not a bad idea if you got a place to put them, right? And you can do that with all your other things that you would go through for an entire season. But where are you going to get the money to do that? That takes cash. 
what we call capital. In the business world, we call that capital. You might call it cash, but it's also, but it's really capital. And so where are you gonna get that? Are you gonna borrow it? Have you saved it up? Have you spent less than you, than you earned? What was your strategy for coming up with that capital? Okay, your sources are business debt. Maybe if you really have planned this out and you have a five-year plan and you have a plan for all this, maybe you went to the SBA and said, hey, I wanna get a loan because I'm buying three other pool service companies or uh, I'm getting into building or whatever it is your plan is. And you can get low uh, interest rate, government-backed loans from the SBA that will help you do a lot of that stuff, okay? Yeah. That's where you got your money. That's your source of capital. It's probably gonna be your cheapest because then you're gonna be down in the four, five, 6% interest rate range. And you're like, oh, that's not too bad, right? Because if you go to the bank, get a credit card, that's the other end of the extreme. Look at your credit card statement. What are they charging you? 18% interest? Wow, you can't Ugh. carry a balance on that. Forget that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? The bank, bank but, on that, but on note on that, Fred, we've had other oh. podcasts that talk about building business credit and also improving your personal credit. But building business credit that's not based on your personal credit and building that up so you can get zero interest credit cards and th things like that that could really help you. So there are lots of services out there that can help you build your personal credit, but help you build your business credit so that you can get some of this stuff. And if you have a need like that, you can get a very low interest or no interest credit card to be able to manage some of this stuff without paying all those huge fees you're talking about. Well, that's very true. Yeah, as, as, as your business goes along, uh, you might get those 90 days, zero, you're not going to get zero for very long, but you might get zero interest for 90 days or really generous. You might get a six month promotion, right? Uh, but so you're right. Yeah. You might get a little low interest rate. Yeah. Maybe you get some from family. Maybe, maybe, okay. Okay. Johnny, we're, we believe in you. Uh, mom and dad's going to loan him 10 grand, but you got to pay us back, even though they know he's never going to pay him back. <laughs> but you know, Maybe it's a nice thought, though. It's a nice, thought, but, but you know, maybe they write it up as a loan to Johnny, and they, that's where he gets the money to grow his business. You know, right? So that happens a lot. That happens quite a bit. Um, the other way is if you're a builder, uh, and how have bigger projects, you can do what's called AR financing, and that could get very technical, but basically you go to a company and they will factor your cash receivable and they will give, they will give you the money immediately on a job. Let's say you're building a $300,000 pool, a million dollar pool or whatever. Uh, they can, they will advance you the money and then they collect the money from the customer. Now getting a third party involved in your relationship with the customer doesn't always work too good for service companies. Yeah, it's or, tricky, yeah. But when you're for a builder, that's actually pretty common because it's it's a little more of a transaction than it is. You're not going back there every month for five years. I mean, you're building them in the pool and you're going on down the road. Sure, you want to take care of them. You're going to warranty it. You want to make a reference customer for life, but it's still more of a transaction than it is a repeat customer month after month after month. It is a different situation. Right. Okay, so the other only other way you do it is equity. 
Again, you could invest more cash in the business. Well, where are you going to get that? Well, maybe you borrow from your own home equity line or you borrow from personal sources, your personal sources, cash in a life insurance policy, uh, wherever. Any personal money that you might have and you turn around and invest it in the business. Right. A cash injection that would go on the books as equity, but you're putting cash in the business. Okay. So you could sell shares in the company, maybe. <laughs> you know, sell shares to Uncle Joe, maybe. <laughs> maybe when you get bigger, you know, that's more of an American pool kind of a thing, you know, when they get real big. Um, and then the more realistic one is that, you know, like in our example, you left more money in the business than you took out. Yeah. But instead of taking out all that money that you showed you earned on your income statement, you just took out what you needed to get by and left as much in the company as possible. That is the smartest way to go because that's the cheapest money you're going to get. Trying to get an investor, who wants to invest in a little super risky little company? Investors want a return on their investments that's commensurate with the risk. Right. But I want to, somebody calls me up and says, hey, Fred, you're great. You want to loan, you want to, Invest in my little pool service company? Yeah, no problem, Johnny. I want 20% return. You are super high risk, dude. I'm not giving you no 5% money here. This is 20 <laughs> hard money. This is this is Guido money. This is <laughs> this is Gamino money. This is 20% money. Oh, yeah, that's expensive. Yes, equity is going to be expensive. Vulture capitalists or venture capitalists that invent, invest in Silicon Valley companies. They're not looking for low returns. They want returns in the hundreds. They want to give you $100, and they want thousands back. They want millions back. Right. Um, You know what, Fred? We should all look at our own business that way. We're investing our whole life into this, our our sweat equity, our our money, our everything. And so we should be brutal with ourselves about, uh, demanding that we get a good return off of what we're doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Your time is not free, and that that's the easiest thing to give away. Uh, when you're for everybody, and then and and, and it seems like the bigger you get, the more people want you to give that away for free. Right. Oh, gee, what what what's it to you? What's it to you, Fred? It, I don't care that you spent six hours out here on site going over my equipment room and putting this together and putting this estimate together for me. I'm like, well, what do you think? That's free? I mean, I got to get paid for that time. That's $200 an hour time. That's not $10 an hour time, guys. That's $200 an hour time. You're asking me to calculate your water hydraulics and go through your electric and check check your stuff to the code and do all of this homework and research and come up with what you need to do, and, and then you're expecting to get all that for free. <laughs> so Agreed. Yeah, we actually started charging for that. Makes and sense. It was, really, yeah. it was really hard at first, but eventually we were able to, uh, to get them to pay for, uh, in the commercial world, we call them reserve studies or things, but we were able to start getting customers to pay for that kind of consulting to basically put together the scope of work for them. Yes. And what happens in the residential thing is they, they just go to Johnny and say, hey, Johnny, what do I need? Well, I'm not sure I hear I got the right size. Are you sure we got the right pump? I heard there's this thing about all these other pumps and these 
not just these old two stage, but I think got these variable state speed things. And then I heard this other thing and there might be a rebate from the, from the power company. And they got poor Johnny running all over town doing all this homework for him. And he's like, and then, and then, and then they want to price shopping versus internet. Yeah. And he's like, wow, this is today's point. I just spent three hours putting this together for Mrs. Jones. And then she turns around and stabs me in the back by telling me she <laughs> can get it on Amazon. So, uh, that's because you're not like today's point. You're not valuing your time, your time to, to go do that for that customer. Yeah. And so if you think of that as, well, are you going to pay me to do this homework, Mrs. Jones? That's a scope of work. Do you have a scope of work already written out? Have you done all the homework and decided what heater you want and what pump you want and what this you want, what that you want? Well, no, I have no idea. Well, no, you don't have any idea, do you? Yeah, but I do. <laughs> but that knowledge does not come free. Yeah, right. Knowledge exactly. does not come free. You have to have these conversations. And I know it's so funny. It's got, I, I hear that it's gotten worse. When I first got in the business, it just floored me that so many pool service guys were scared to death that the homeowner was going to come out and talk to them over in their backyard. <laughs> And I welcomed it. I loved it. And I loved it. The more you talk to the customers, the better relationship you're going to have. The more they trust you, everything was, was easy. But boy, yeah. when they don't, and then they just start, it just, it goes south fast. Yeah. And then, and then they get mad. Well, how come that, how come she didn't take my bid and she went over to here to Jimmy and Jimmy lowballed me that, that sucker, he, he charged her $200 less. He's trying to steal my account. Well, that's not Jimmy's fault. That's your fault. That's your fault because you didn't have the right relationship with the customer. And when that happens, that should be a signal to yourself to take a look at what you're doing and why did that happen? That's not Jimmy's fault. That's your fault. You know, that, 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 that's back on you. So anyway, so uh, all of these things, you've got to have a plan. Otherwise, you're not working your plan. How can you say I'm working my plan? That's where I want to be. Well, if I want to go from, from one truck to 20 trucks or 10 trucks or five trucks or however many, you've got to have that planned out. And then we work back through the numbers and we work back through these things and we're going to figure out, well, this is where I'm going to get the money. And you're going to do this in advance, not reacting, but proactively. This is where I'm going to get the do the money, get the money for this uh, growth, for this expansion, for these two new pool guys, for this new territory, for this second store I'm opening, whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. You've got to plan that out in advance. And because some of these things, like going to the SBA, that could take a year to get a loan from them. Yeah. This is an overnight, right? So. Uh, Makes sense. That's kind of my strategies. The one thing I want to ask you, Fred, because a big, uh, big philosophy that a lot of folks talk about, and I've heard it from many different experts in the field, is paying yourself first. So in your examples, you know, you have, you, you're having, you're kind of having, paying them at the end, you know, once they have the income and expenses and they pay themselves at the end and they just, they, they obviously, um, you had in your examples, they were adjusting the amount they pay themselves based on, you know, what's going on in the business that month or whatever. But a big philosophy from a lot of experts is that you pay yourself first. Now that could be through a savings account or you put it as a line item on your expenses. 
to say, okay, I'm putting a thousand dollars into my savings account every month or whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean paying yourself. It could be paying your savings account every month. And you put that as a line item on your expenses so that it's just, you pay it just like you do every other expense and you're paying your, you know, it's money there. So that way if you had a decent savings set up, you know, if something happened in your business where you needed some cash flow, you could go over here to the cash flow area that you're talking about. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree with you. because <laughs> Small business owners, man, we get paid last. There's no doubt about it. You gotta pay your suppliers and your rent, your landlord and your employees, everybody, you get paid last, right? So that's just the reality of it. You, so I think what they're talking about in those things is, well, of the money that's left after when you do get finally get paid, <laughs> it's, it's like a builder, they'll tell you, they don't get any money out of money. They might build somebody $300,000 to put a pool in their backyard. They don't see any of that until that last final sign off checklist that they get, that's the last check that they get paid. That could be months, okay? That's just how it works. There's just no way around that. But so when you do get money, like we talked about in our examples here, you can choose then, this is where you have a choice. You can choose to not take it all out of your business. And then it gets Michelle saying, set some aside, pay the business first. Maybe it's a, you know, you want to use the biblical way. It's a 10%, tie 10%, save 10%, live on the rest. So, but you're going to put a percentage back in the company, no matter what good month, bad month, pay the company first. That's what, that's what they're talking about with that. Yes. Then on your personal finances, it's the same thing. So it's kind of a double dip for a lot of people is you got to think of the company as separate from yourself. Exactly. It all gets intertwined when you're small and you're just one or one or two trucks or three, it all kind of gets messed up in your head, but you got to think of it as two separate pockets of money, two separate entities. So the company has to have money set aside and then you pay yourself first by doing the same thing. So your company might, tithe and save 10% and you tithe and tell you save 10%. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Paying yourself first. And that, yes, that's, that's, that is fantastic because it, it reinforces this mental strategy of, of living below your means, not living yes. beyond yes. your means. That's the whole point of that. Right. Cause you can't do that unless, you know, you've got the money to do it. Right, exactly, yes. And I would say don't misinterpret that statement, pay yourself first. If you pay yourself first before you pay SCP, if you pay yourself first before you pay your truck payment, you're, you're not going to stay around in business very long. You, and that, yeah, but it's, it's expense, just like any other expense, Dave. And you can't, you have to pay yourself before you pay those other things. Right. You've got to be looking at your numbers every month so you can pay all of it. Because if you can't pay all of it, then you got to go back to either. I that was my point. Or, yeah, but, but pay yourself my, first. My point is that Fred is, Fred is telling us here how we can know what we can afford, how what we can afford to pay ourselves. And, and I don't to mean have, pay yourself a salary. I'm talking about a savings or a bucket, a business bucket. I'm not talking about your salary, Dave. I'm talking like a business bucket where you pay the business first. That's what I'm saying. But the money's got to be there to begin with. But you got to make it be there. That's what I'm saying. And Rick Chafee, Rick Chafee, he talks about this all the time. He said to me, you, if you're going to do any kind of accounting seminar, you've got to talk about this concept. He goes, the best lesson I ever learned in life was mm -hmm. pay yourself first. Rick Chafee touts that all the time. That's what I'm bringing it up. 
I'm just curious what Fred, you know, what your guys' thoughts are, but you have to be able to pay yourself. Otherwise you don't have the money there when you need it. You have to be able to pay yourself first, but unless you're doing these things that we just talked about, yes, by actually having an income statement and looking at a cash flow, you're not going to be able to make that determination of how much you should be paying yourself and how much you should be left in the company, right? Because you really don't know what you're making. You yes, really have to you think whatever's in your checking account is your profit? That's not your profit. No. Right. So, so I think I, I think I, that's that's the point Dave was also making there. Right. Too. Yeah. You can't pay yourself with money you don't have. Yeah. Exactly. But I think you have to change the philosophy that you don't have the money, Dave. That's what I'm trying to bring forth here. We have this philosophy, and I think Fred Todd uh, brought this up. You've got to separate the business from your personal salary. Your business is the business. And you're getting paid whenever you can afford to pay yourself. But paying right. the business first is a part of your expenses and a line item like anything else. And then you can determine what you can pay yourself. But you've got to separate the two. And you've got to make sure that your philosophy is, this is an expense that I have to pay every month, just like every other expense is paying the business. That's what I think Rick was saying. I don't, I'm not saying if you don't have money, you can't do anything. You're right. That is true. But you've got to you got to make it an expense every month, just like everything else, and figure out a way to pay all of your expenses. And if you can't pay them all, you've got to reduce expenses somehow. But you shouldn't reduce paying yourself. You should reduce it in some other way. That's what I think Rick was saying. Right, and I agree with that. And then see that goes all the way all the way back to when you're putting an estimate together or you're putting a service proposal together. That you that should be factored into the expenses. Um, that you know what to charge. What, you, you know, a lot of guys just charge based on what they've always charged or what their competitors are charging. The way to stay in business for a long period of time is to know your expenses, know what it costs you to, to provide a service or install a, a piece of equipment and to cover those expenses and make a profit on top of that. Agreed. Yep. 100%. Oh, that's all oh boy. I tell you, Dave, Dave, he just teased me up all the time. I love it. So, so where we could go from this, maybe next time, is once you have this and a, you have a solid income statement that you can believe in, you trust, you know where the numbers are coming from. Aha! Let's get some ratios. Oh, well, what are my expenses as a percentage of sale? What is my cost of goods sold as a percentage of sale? Oh, yeah, let's do that. What does that AR financing cost me? Then when I go to put together an estimate, I can factor that stuff in. Absolutely. I would love that, Fred. I think we should yeah, that'd be talk great. about that let's next. Do that. that would be wonderful. The, because that I had that built into my model that I developed for how we came up with our service pricing. And then we did the same thing on the repair side. So we knew exactly what our SGNA was, our sales general and administrative expenses, which is, you know, that, that what we're calling here expenses uh, on most of your income statements that they come out of QuickBooks or accounting software, it's going to say sales general and administrative expenses, right? right. That's, that's key. And when you know where that number has to be and you manage to that, then you're, uh, <clears throat> you're not going to get much easier. Yeah. You're going to underestimate your overhead 
on your on your work order on your bid and you're not going to price stuff too cheap i hear you yeah i think we should wrap it up you guys it's been an hour so are you guys i have to get the field and make some money <laughs> i know get out I hear make you, money <laughs> <laughs> this, hour, this is 200 an hour time right here Dave. i know that dave's <laughs> having to give up don't invoice yeah. us dave don't send us an invoice <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Fred, for being on today. Again, this is valuable information. I really enjoyed the fact that you had these three examples for us to view on this YouTube uh, video. And it's it's it just makes it easier for us to understand what you're talking about. And thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. We're going to have you on again. So you'll see Fred again in the future. But uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. I appreciate the help that you're providing to people right now. It's, it's a great thing you're doing. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. Build relationships and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast, backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.